Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. There are some preliminary rounds of the Olympics uh, going on right now in Beijing. The games officially open tomorrow. But the Western democracies are staging a diplomatic boycott. They will have, you know, not much visibility there. And the games seem to have given authoritarian leaders like Vladimir Putin uh, even more time in the spotlight. Uh, We'll take a look at the situation, especially as we're continuing to engage uh, the problem of Ukraine. With me right now, James Carafano, who's vice president of the Catherine and Shelby Cullum Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation, who's been examining the China situation. James, good to have you here. Thanks. Hey, it's great to be with you. And thank you for paying attention to this issue, which I just think is something that is really, really so important and, and where I really feel like our governments and other governments have, have really failed us. Yeah. Well, talk, talk to me. Talk to me about what we could have done differently. Well, a couple of things. One is, um, a long time ago, we could have gotten with other countries and and begun a campaign to 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 um, delay and move the Olympics. Right. That was certainly right. doable. Um, the, and having failed at that, the other thing we could have done was the, the government could have really led in public diplomacy in leading a real a real boycott to embarrass and humiliate the Chinese. And what that would have looked like is um, we could have been pressuring other governments not to send official delegations. We could have been um, uh, uh, encouraging companies not to sponsor. We could be encouraging companies and that, that sponsor um, and, and broadcast like NBC to say, hey, why don't you volunteer to take every cent of your profits that you make from the Olympics and plow them back into support for the Uyghurs and Tibetans yeah. and, and Hong Kong and other oppressed people. Yeah. So we, the, the administration took the, the easy path, which is they just said, oh, we're not sending an official delegation, right? So they had the moral ground, oh, well, we didn't, you know, but they made no effort to really make China pay for this. Right. And there's yeah. there's two problems here. One, of course, is the humanitarian problem, which is we are all turning a blind eye to an ongoing genocide, which includes slave labor, forced incarceration, um, enforced sterilization, uh, and uh, and forced abortions, some of the most horrific things that a government can enforce on a people, and we're all, in a sense, condoning that. But but here's the real. I mean, from I'm, you know me, I'm, I was in the military for 25 years. I've been working on strategy and, and, and national security foreign mm-hmm. policy areas for yeah. 20 years. The real issue, the the real issue is, look what you have done. You've looked the most, the world's most dangerous regime in the eye, the second largest economy, one of the largest militaries, the greatest theft of intellectual property, the the most dangerous cyber hacker in the world. You you've looked them and the, the metals threatens and 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 pressures other countries. You've looked them in the eye and you've said you can do egregious things and we won't make you pay a price for that. Right. 
that is enabling and empowering of the Chinese and makes the world a much more dangerous place. This is taking place, too, uh, against the backdrop of uh, Russia's uh, massing of troops on the Ukrainian border. And uh, this is going to be giving Putin uh, an international stage. I imagine he's going to be uh, given a disproportionate amount of attention uh, by the Chinese. Uh, They seem to be, in a way, collaborating together to uh, delegitimize or somehow strip the United States of moral authority? So um, the biggest cheerleader for Russian policies in Europe are the Chinese. Yep. And the reason for that is is because their goals are absolutely identical. Russia wants to destabilize Western Europe, see an end to NATO, and push the United States out of Western Europe, making that basically open for China and Russia to walk in and divide and conquer spheres of influence. That's that's awesome with the Chinese. Yeah. So they are they're Putin's biggest backer. Yeah. And I remind people that the Ukraine crisis is not really about the Ukraine. Of course, Putin wants to reconquer Ukraine and make it part. We get that. But that's not the end state. The end state is basically reasserting control over Central Europe, destabilizing Western Europe, seeing an end to NATO. And th- this, is, this isn't the end either, because this starts a cascading uh, series of steps that lead to the isolation and the eventual enslavement of the United States of America by Russia and China. I, I, they, I'm not overstating this. If you read the Chinese writings, if you look and at what Russia wants to do, this is what they want to do. I'm not making this up. Well, they have wanted to deal. They want. They wanted to relativize our notion of human rights. They they want to claim right. that it's is you know culture specific. That somehow they're not bound by our language, our discourse about human rights. Uh, they think you're being uh, you know ethnocentric by asserting that uh, you know the the UN Declaration on Human Rights is universally applicable. Uh, and Putin has the same attitude. So you know, both of them want to undermine our sense of moral legitimacy. And uh, I'm concerned. I'm actually quite concerned about that because we already have a strong <clears throat> a sense of relativism in the United States, cultural relativism in the United States. And if we lose yeah. that... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I, and, 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 the, and the problem, of course, is, is there are... Um, there are people in the United States and Europe that, that basically want to contribute to this suicide. Yeah, that's right. You know, they talk about European values, you know, Americans talk about human rights, and yet they condone, avoid, ignore these massive abuses on the part of Russia and China. Uh, and, and they somehow magically believe that somehow this doesn't undermine their own ethical foundation and their own moral structure, right. and their own power and influence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're sawing off the very limb they're sitting on. Um, now, let me ask you, do you know what kind of warnings Olympic athletes may have received from China or from us in terms of making political statements? Well, look, it's very clear that the, the Chinese have openly threatened uh, athletes participating in the games with punishment under Chinese law. Mm-hmm. So they've already done that. 
um, the IOC has already kind of discouraged this kind of behavior. And the U.S. government has actually done precious little in terms of warning athletes about their legal risks, um, the cyber risks, uh, and, and their health risks in China. So, yeah, I mean, we we essentially, it's going to put the, you know, throw the lambs out to pasture with the wolves running around. And and uh, and our athletes are at risk in 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 China. I mean, we've already seen you know examples of athletes being um, uh, harassed uh, 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 over racism and, and uh, racist remarks and other things. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do worry about the security and the safety of our athletes. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm curious. Do you think? That, I mean, in in Xi Jinping's agenda. Do these Olympics help him cement his hold on power in China? I know he's got uh, well, power already, but does this help cement his hold on power? Well, of course. I mean, that, that's what he would argue. Sure, that that for them, this is about prestige and influence. And and again, it's it's not about seeming to be morally right. It's about seeming to be powerful. Yeah. Nobody yeah. cares if China is the good guy here. But what China wants people to perceive is that they are powerful and nobody will mess with them. Yeah. That's a dramatically reinforcing message um, that the Chinese have. Mm-hmm. You know, let's be honest. This is exactly the message that Adolf Hitler was, was wanted to have when he staged the 36 Olympics. You know, the, the, the thing that is most shocking, really, is when Hitler staged the 36 first of all, when when... When Berlin was awarded the Olympics, nobody knew that Adolf Hitler was going to be the biggest problem ever. Right. Second of all, when, when the Olympics were held, Hitler had not launched on the genocide. He hadn't launched on a campaign of, of global conquest. He waited until after the Olympics. Right. right. The, the Chinese not only got the Olympics when it was clear that they were already a vast human rights abuser, they continued to abuse. They, matter of fact, they accelerated their abuse of human rights campaigns in Hong Kong and Tibet in, among the Uyghurs. In the face of the fact that they knew the world was watching and the Olympics were coming up. So, absolutely, this is empowering for them to do this and get away with it. I guess the, the question would be raised, if the United States is unwilling to take a, uh, a strategic role in mm-hmm. pushing back against China, who will? Mm-hmm. Well, this, of course, is the problem. Um what we have seen is countries want to do this. I'll give you a very good example. Um, Lithuania is a very small country in Central Europe. They've really tried to diversify their, their foreign policy in the middle, in, the, in, in Asia, reaching out to the Japanese and the South Koreans. Mm-hmm. And they also established a Taiwan uh, interest office. Mm. They immediately were assault, I mean, literally pummeled by the, by the Chinese. The Chinese are literally trying to stop everybody in the world from training with little Lithuania. Look, Lithuania is no, is no threat to them whatsoever. Oh, right. They're punishing Lithuania for not doing this. Now, um, the Taiwanese actually walked in with an $8 billion investment in Lithuania. So last laugh to, to, the, uh, to the Lithuanians. But it shows you the length that the Chinese are willing to go to to suppress any dissent or any pushback. But the reality is, is that's what they fear most. Yeah. They fear transparency in what they're doing, and they, they fear people pushing to hold them accountable for what they are doing. I'll just ask a, a, a question that people have asked for, for decades now. What eventually happens with Taiwan? Um, look, I, I think, uh, you know, I think the future of Taiwan um, is 
in in the hands of the Taiwanese and the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, of course, you know it's much like the Ukraine. Of course, China China will want to reabsorb Taiwan. Right. Um, the the but you know are they willing to risk World War Three to do that? Um, and and I think as long as the answer is you're risking World War Three, they won't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, ironically, if you look through the history of America and Taiwanese relations, um, China's been nicest to the Taiwanese when American support's been the greatest. When, when Americans have what? stuck up to them. Say that again? So, Taiwan, Chinese relations are, are affiliated when the Americans are, give their greatest support to Taiwan, because then the Chinese try to suck up to them. Interesting. I mean, the Chinese would much rather have Taiwan kind of come over to their side. Yeah. But, you know, uh, the more we support a strong, independent Taiwan, the, the less okay. likely. And there's a strategic reason James, for this, too. Thanks. Thanks so much. We're out of time, unfortunately, but I really appreciate your help. Thank you.